Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Honestly, I think this is the greatest acting exercise of all time because we're recording this podcast as if we hadn't already recorded. <laughs> exactly. <it>. Incredible. Okay. <laughs> So everything we're about to do is a lie. Because we're <laughs> so we're liars. Hi, welcome to Charm to Spellcast. We're liars. <laughs> um, we're your hosts. Jerks. <laughs> Oi, okay. Uh, you want to just do it? Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. Um, let's just do, like, say our names first. I'm Bryce. I'm Shayna. And this is Charmed, a Spellcast. With the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style And kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile And knowing how to fight like girls In this patriarchal, demon-infested world They're the charmed ones They're the charmed ones They're the charmed ones Charmed! Yeah, so hi. I guess we should kind of introduce the concept of yeah. this show. So Let's essentially, we've got a rewatch show. Well, rewatch for me, first time watch for Bryce. Yeah, so that's the dynamic right there. Of the classic 1990s show, Charmed. And I suggested this subject specifically to Bryce, uh, mostly because I wanted to do a rewatch of some sort. And Charmed is getting rebooted. Mm. But yeah, so Bryce graciously agreed. And Bryce is a podcast veteran and radio. Oh, yes. Um, A podcast enthusiast. Yes, that is a more accurate term than I would use. Well, she's she's an enthusiast in the way that she's done radio and podcasting before. I have not. I'm just a TV enthusiast, mm. uh, which is fun. And I'm especially a queer and trans television and digital media enthusiast. In fact, I am a professional queer, <laughs> which is quite fortuitous in that uh, this show has many interesting queer themes that we're going to be discussing. When Shayna first approached me and said that she wanted to start a podcast and you know, use Charmed as our um, our focus and then have all of these interweaving themes and topics, I was like, yeah, that sounds like the most perfect thing that I could do in my life. And also, I just want to reiterate for those who have not listened to the unaired <laughs> pilot episode <laughs> that I love Shana so much and I'll literally support anything and everything she wants to do. Oh my goodness. Okay, uh, can I, I'm going to make this connection. So, like Charmed, we have an unaired pilot, <laughs> um, not starring Alyssa Milano, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So maybe this episode she'll show up. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the first episode of our podcast, I wasn't actually in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just talking to the wall. It was a stand-in. <laughs> it was a stand-in. Uh, we had, who would be your stand-in? I want it to be Lana Condor. Okay, so we had Lana Condor as Bryce's stand-in, but then the network wouldn't pick it up unless we hired Bryce Wong. Yeah, they wanted someone with less star power. (laughs) Exactly. So now we've got Bryce Amber Wong for you all, and Mm. uh, you should love her as much as I love Alyssa Milano. (laughs) Also Bryce. So I felt like a good way to get to know us is to understand that we are both Angelinos. 
Yes. Um, well, Bryce is really a Los Angelino. I'm a Los Angelino by the last four years. Yes, but I think those were a formative period in your um, in my life, growth. in yes. my in my adult life. Absolutely, I'm now a Los Angelino. I love that garbage city. <laughs> so it's a trash city. Much. Yes, but I love it, and Bryce loves it, and then we both had to leave. Inexplicably, we're like, you know what? Let's make ourselves more miserable. Yeah. You know what we should do? We should move to New York City. New York City. Center, Center of, of the, the universe. universe. And <laughs> actually, so obviously we're not miserable, but uh, mm -hmm. Bryce first came a year ago for grad school mm -hmm. because she's incredibly smart and wonderful and lovely and a human angel. Um, and I just missed her so much this last year that I had to come join her. Also for grad school because Shayna, as we already know, is the smartest person in the room of every room that she's in. If it's just me. <laughs> me and uh, my stand-in, <laughs> who's actually just a cardboard cutout of Lana Condor. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them. Um, yes, yeah, so we're doing this as a way to sustain our friendship. Mm -hmm. uh, we go to grad school at different grad schools, but mm -hmm. in New York City. And uh, we're kind of doing this as a way to remind each other of those sunny, sunny months yes. in Los Angeles while we're here it's definitely, suffering. It's definitely a coping mechanism. Um, this is a means for survival, just so you all know what we're doing, uh, what you're getting into right now. Yes, but it's also uh, less of a means survival physically. It's kind of a means of survival emotionally, I yeah. think, mm -hmm. um, especially because my history with Charmed was initially a huge emotional attachment. I started watching when I was, I think, nine or 10. Um, and I can't remember if I first started watching YouTube clips at the library or if I checked out DVDs from the library. But either way, I did it very covertly, and I tried not to let my parents know that I was watching a show about witches, and there were scary things in there, and uh, people swore and had relationships. So I'm coming back to that emotional connection I first had as a nine-year-old when I first saw Holly Marie Combs as Piper, and I fell in love. <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear what it meant to you growing up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, okay, I will say that I definitely had like an addiction to it right away, um, probably because it was one of the first shows that I chose to watch, not like PBS Kids, even though, you know, love you, Big Bird. But I sought it out, and it, along with Buffy, I believe, and Grey's Anatomy, were it was a show that was for me three incredible women who didn't take shit from anyone if that evil is bothering them you have no doubt they will find a way to take it out and that was an incredible thing to see um also i was so gay i didn't know i was so gay but i think it was a combination of witches and just incredibly badass women that turned me totally turn it's not genetics it's just charmed <laughs> this is really good <laughs> um by contrast i just started watching charmed like two weeks ago i watched it for the, the very first episode of the very first season for the first time in my bedroom while skyping Shayna around midnight on a saturday <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's dedication yeah i dragged her into that 
this podcast is for people who have watched it dozens of times, but it's also for people who, like Bryce, have never watched it or might be starting with the reboot and think, hey, maybe I should go back and check out the source material. So we want to provide a little space of time, especially for you commuters, mm. um, to watch along with us and then come here, discuss, have some music, some magic, some media analysis. Ooh, that's a good tagline. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, just connect to other people who really feel uh, something deep within them reacting to this show. Yeah. We're happy to be here. I hope you are as well. I'm going to give three words that I think describe Bryce Wong, um, just so you can get a better picture of who you are listening to. Okay. Bryce Wong is compassionate, ingenious, and small. Ah! Oh, thank you! Thank you. Okay, I'm going to try to follow that, but <laughs> honestly, Shane is the wordsmith here, so I'll, I will do my best. Okay, um, I already forgot my words. <laughs> Let me try to, like, recollect them. Recollect. Unceasingly, profoundly thoughtful. Wow! That's from the heart. That's incredible! That's for you. <laughs> I really like that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, good. So, welcome to Charm to Spellcast, as we've said multiple times. Uh, yes, welcome. Do you know what Charmed is, dear listeners? Do you know? If you don't know, Why you're you about to find out. <laughs> or No, don't tell them to turn it off. I'm like, no, 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 stay, stay here. Okay, if you don't know, Charmed is a show that began in 1998. It was created by Constance M. Burge and also produced by prolific, legendary Hollywood producer Aaron Spelling of Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Love Boat, so many other groundbreaking shows and just like iconic shows in American television. And it is a show about three sisters who discover that they are actually witches and they have never known, it's been hidden from them. And now with the discovery of immense power, all sorts of evil are coming after them and they are going to kick some ass, save the world weekly, and also find time to date. So we begin this journey into the charmed world with the very first season on the very first episode, Something Wicca This Way Comes. Ooh. Ooh. I love charmed <laughs> episode titles, I have to say that. So Charmed premiered October 7th, 1998 on the WB. And like we said, it was created by Constance M. Burge. And this first episode was also written by Constance M. Burge. And it was directed by John T. Kretschmer. And it received mixed reviews when it first premiered. And with good reason, it's definitely an interesting blend of high camp, mm. I would say. Mm -hmm. Melodramatic, but also kick-ass action, magic, fun, and some powerhouse actresses. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I would just like to delve into a few of my favorite reviews from way back when in 1998. Um, so my man... Oh, damn, 20 years ago. I, 20 years ago. So, oh my God, <laughs> Charm premiered 20 years ago. Holy effing crap. That's Baloney. incredible. <laughs> wow. Um, and I think it stands the test of time. Not necessarily in terms of graphics or effects, but I think thematically it stands the test of time. Um, 
So, okay, so one of my favorite viewers, my man, uh, Dave Bianculi, on, uh, he's been the television critic for Fresh Air oh, yeah. on NPR for a very long time. My man. My man, Dave. I love him. Um, he said, essentially, that Charmed had a lot of room to grow, but he wanted to keep watching it, that he thought it could improve in terms of plot, in terms of story and dialogue, but there was something that hooked him in, and it was definitely the actresses. Um, and then, this is my favorite, favorite review. This is uh, Steve Parks of Newsday. Steve, you're getting a shout out. And he said, Shannon Doherty as a witch, perfect. <laughs> and uh, that is my favorite review of all time. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and others, I'm out. Episode one, Something Wicked This Way Comes. We open with a shot of San Francisco, City of Snakes. Not to be confused with San Diego. Not to be confused with San Diego. A whale's vagina. Or a San Luis Obispo. <laughs> or Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa Cruz. No, no. You can see clearly from the Golden Gate Bridge that this is San Francisco. Oh. And this is the setting for Charmed on a windy, rainy, ooky spooky night. Mm -hmm. And then we see this woman. Ah. Who could she be? Is she a main character? Turns out, not at all. No, she's definitely not. She's just <laughs> a random witch lighting so many candles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and let's do some Gregorian chanting yeah. while we're at it. Let's get this tone box going. <laughs> By tone box, I mean just her voice. It's so monotone. Um, but you know something's going on. Mm -hmm. There's also a cat, Kit. Then somebody who is a first-person point of view from the camera, uh, so it feels very interactive, comes up to her and spooks her. So we're just going to say, like, we're assuming that you've all watched the episode. Uh -huh. Now that you're listening to us, or maybe, you're, I don't know, you might just be listening because we are the entertainment. But... We're not going to do any spoilers for the rest of the season, but when we open an episode, everything in the episode is kind of fair game. Yeah, that's a good caveat um, that you we should disclose right away. Yes, okay. So, somebody stabs her. Bummer. <laughs> Probably not the main <laughs> character, unless we're doing, like, a true calling kind of thing. Um, and sorry, I just wanted to, like, cut in with what I was going to say before. Oh, yeah. But, um... As a lover of murder, <laughs> murder, murder, Myrtle Dirtles, let it be known that it's always someone you know who's a killer. Yep, yep. Because she recognized her killer before he the they stabbed her. <laughs> they, he, whomever. Before the stabbing occurred. Before a knife flew into her abdomen. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. So it's always someone you know. Um, okay, so we move out of the murder scene and into... This beautiful Victorian manor, it's the Hallowell Manor. The Hallowells. The Hallowells. So Piper comes in, and she and uh, Prue are talking, and we learn that they have moved back into their childhood home because their grandmother died. And they've sold their apartments, and they're here now, and Prue is trying to fix a chandelier, which is real hot. Um, <laughs> So we learned that there is another sister, but she's not there, and she hasn't spoken to them, or so we think. Yes. There um, does seem to be an air of tension. And then Piper uncovers the old spirit board ah. that they used to use, and they read the inscription on the back, which 
uh, their mom had inscribed. And uh, she, her note tells them to remember that the power of three will set them free. What does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? Okay, mom. Okay, mom, whatever you say. Yeah, it's like something, I don't know. Did your mom, does your mom say anything to you as like a, a goodbye or something like a daily goodbye? Um, <laughs> don't forget. That's kind of like a text that she would send though. Because I feel like her texts are very like, um, today I saw the sunrise good and then, like sends <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> cut to opening credits Ooh. uh okay the opening credits were very i mean visually everything you would expect from a 90s television show yep uh dramatic there's a lot of double exposure yes sort of glowy <laughs> yeah everything had that kind of vintage yes look hard filter hard 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 filter it was like they took a look at Twin Peaks and they were like, you know what we should do an inversion of that? <laughs> Except they don't have the original theme song yes. on Netflix. Netflix is where we were watching it from. Yeah. And I guess you said that they had some kind of music publishing. Yeah, they had, they had something going on. I don't know the exact details of it, but essentially after season seven, I believe, they weren't allowed to use the original theme song, which was a cover of the Smiths, How Soon Is Now? And it was actually the same version that was used in the movie The Craft. Oh. So you've got a connection there. And I got to tell you, if you want to take the time either to skip the credits or play the credits and turn the volume <laughs> down and play How Soon Is Now at the same time because it's so much more satisfying. Mm. Shayna sent me a YouTube clip of the original uh, credits with the original theme song and it was definitely more enjoyable. Yeah, no, not only did I send it to you, I made you stop watching, then I sent it to you and then you watch it because you have to, okay, anyway. I, I have to get over this because it happens every single time. Yeah, it's, we're going to go into like a mini tirade every single episode. Okay, no, no, can't. This is but it. You have to get it out the first one just so yes. people know that your anger is there and it's strong. My anger is here and it's valid. Yes. And now we're going to move on. And we're moving on. Okay, so post-credits, the first scene, see the bridge again. San Francisco? San Bernardino? San, San Francisco. <laughs> How many times do we have to tell you people? City of Snakes. Um, and we see the crime scene with Inspector Andrew Trudeau, <laughs> Canada's finest. That's I <laughs> think he's so dreamy. Played um, by Teddy King. Mm -hmm. Or T.W. King. Right. You can tell the Teddy King story. My, uh, my Teddy King story is that when I was younger and I told a family member that I loved Charmed so much. And this was a little bit after I started watching it. And uh, so I, I came out about Charmed. And so it turned out she knew T.W. King As from when do. they were kids. <laughs> so she got him to send me a signed picture, a signed photograph. So on my childhood bedroom door, there's a signed photograph of T.W. King. And everyone thought I had a huge crush on him. Um, I didn't. I had a crush on everyone else in the show. <laughs> Uh, even though, like, I recognize he is a fine-looking actor. Uh, congratulations, T.W. King. You're very handsome. Um, you but did yeah, that. You, did, you did that. So I've got that piece of memorabilia. That's actually very cool that one of the most important shows to you in your childhood, you got to have a signed photograph from one of the stars. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. Yeah, that's, like, that's awesome. It was great. Kudos to your aunt. <laughs> um, 
So um, essentially, we set up that Andy and Daryl are a partnership, mm -hmm. and Daryl is extremely skeptical of Andy, who has apparently been going out and finding all these, not missions, I don't know what police work is, uh, cases, ah. had been finding these cases having to do with women who had been murdered and the occult in some sort of way, and Daryl is essentially like, man, Andy, you don't want to get mixed up in this. Do you really believe in that kind of stuff? And Andy's like, I want to believe. Um, he's not. But he says there are a lot of people who do believe. So I think it's valid. Mm -hmm. And you set up last time that this is kind of like a Mulder and Scully relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Daryl is Dana Scully and Andy is Fox Mulder. And together, instead of looking for UFOs, they're looking for witches. Perfect. And that's the X-Files. <laughs> Good night. And there's the show. And that's the show. Well, I would watch a spinoff of, like, Daryl and Andy before this show. Oh. Like, see their friendship. I, I, I just really like them. I know they don't get a lot of time together in this episode, but I think they have some pretty great chemistry. So, uh, then we exit the crime scene. So we're, we're back at the Hallowa Manor, and um, Prue and Piper are talking, and Prue was like, very practical and she's like oh we gotta get this house fixed up like things are falling apart blah 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 and then um Piper says oh Phoebe's good of a wrench oh <laughs> yeah remember Phoebe remember the sister that you don't talk to yeah who uh you think has no future whom you harbor many a grudge against yeah she's um right outside <laughs> um so that was a really good introduction to the, to the arrival of Phoebe I think Phoebe's good of a wrench. Why do you say that? <laughs> oh, hello. It's Alyssa Milano. So Phoebe makes her appearance back in the house. She was in New York for the past however many years, and there's an estrangement. Um, and that tension lasts about five seconds uh, before Phoebe is like, I didn't sleep with Roger. <laughs> We're like, oh, so this is where this is going then. Yeah, so I, okay, so I have this thing about screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And about dialogue in general. It's not my thing, but it's something that is uh, kind of promoted by a lot of different screenwriters and screenwriting teachers and that kind of area of people, which is that we, as humans, don't say exactly what we mean. That's one of our issues, I guess you could say. That's why screen like good screenwriting is so full of subtext. It's because characters don't say what they really mean but we get it from their actions and we get it from their acting and we get it from people stalling and saying, I'm sorry, but not saying what they're sorry about and, and that kind of thing. So essentially, it's, it's more of a realistic kind of view of how people communicate, rife with problems as it is. That is not this show. Oh, no. No, no. We are diving into a hell of a lot of exposition right away. Mm -hmm. So Phoebe didn't sleep with Roger. Prue doesn't care, but she's still mad at Phoebe. Phoebe knows that Prue thinks she has no future. There's just a lot of back and forth. Yes, and I think this was a conversation that you told me you really liked because it really revealed the characters, like uh, the values that they both hold and like who they are fundamentally. Absolutely. I, it may not be all that subtle, <laughs> um, but it works really well. The comparison works super, super well to set them up as opposite sides mm -hmm. of a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that throughout the episode mm -hmm. on many of their attitudes. I think the, uh, 
very filmmakery word you used last time was foil. Ah, yes, they are foils. They are foils. And Alyssa Milano. (laughs) Aluminium. And Alyssa Milano and Shannon Doherty are absolutely perfect foils, Mm -hmm. I think. And I did watch the unaired pilot in which there was another actress playing Phoebe, who uh, unfortunately for her did Mm. not proceed. But fortunately for the rest of us, (laughs) we get Alyssa Milano instead. And I I love this tension so much better. It's so good. It's re- the tension is realistic. But somebody else, uh, way back in '98, wrote a review that said Holly Marie Combs is too good of an actress in this role because Shannon Doherty and Alyssa Milano are so high voltage and campy. Think like Joan Crawford versus oh god Betty Davis, mm-hmm. that kind of camp. And then Holly Marie Combs slides in here and is like, okay, guys, so um, here are all my subtleties as an actress, and uh, here are my little quirks and things. <laughs> and I just thought that was a funny backhanded compliment review, so uh, I wanted to include it. I love it. I love that. I can't wait to like watch more of the show and see how that manifests. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Phoebe is staying um, against Prue's wishes, but then Prue kind of relents a little mm-hmm. and obviously cares for her sister. Mm-hmm. So we, we see the detectives at the crime scene. It wasn't very relevant. I guess he just needs to see that the cat existed yeah. in that room. A symbol. <gasps> the cat is a symbol, and the little uh, tag on mm-hmm. the cat's collar is also a symbol of the charmed ah, yes. ones. A strange assortment of triangles. Or of Wicca or something, which I can't explain very well. So we're going to be bringing in an expert mm-hmm. um, for one of our segments <laughs> to decode exactly what's going on with the Wicca. Yes. Yes. Hello, it's me, Shana, from the future. I spoke to our resident Wicca expert, uh, self-proclaimed not an expert but still knows a lot more than we do, um, Sierra Potter, and she has a little takeaway that she'd like to impart to all our listeners from Season 1, Episode 1 of Charmed. Take it away, Sierra. Don't ever fuck with Ouija boards, people. Just don't do it. It's like they bring in very negative, evil spirits or, you know, whatever you believe in, but, like, that shit will fuck your life up. So don't touch them. Thank you so much, Sierra. Please come back because we don't know anything. And now back to our regularly scheduled recap. Back in the house... They're playing with the spirit board. Why? Why? Stop it. Okay, so they're playing with the spirit board, and um, Piper asks, uh, <laughs> asks the spirit board, will, uh, will Prue have sex with anyone other than herself this year? Which elicits a varied reaction uh, from, from me and from Phoebe. I'm including myself, <laughs> and I'm now part of the show. But my reaction was, woohoo, yes, talk about it. Talk about female pleasure. Do it. And uh, Phoebe's reaction is, ew, gross, because they're sisters. Mm -hmm. But then she does say under her breath, I sure hope so. Yeah, so let's go women. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Let's just go in general. (laughs) Let's Uh, go Sexual health. (laughs) Yes, also. Let's go. Let's leaf. Um... Okay, so Piper walks off, and then the Ouija board moves by itself, or the oh, spirit dear. board moves oh, by dear. itself. Magic. And Phoebe is spooked. Um, 
and it's trying to tell them something, and what it's trying to tell them is attic. 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 A T T I C. What does that mean? Can you put it in a sentence? Okay, my sentence is don't go into the <laughs> attic after a spirit board spells attic. And also, don't go by yourself. And also, don't go with only a small flashlight. And also, when you get there, do not go to the the chest that's glowing. That's glowing, and take out this heavy book with a hand painted cover. It's covered in dust, and do not read a spell aloud. Yeah. Was that a good enough sentence? I think that was a good sentence. Yeah. Um, it spells out attic, and then the lights go out. And um, Prue, practical as ever, is like, oh, we should go to the breakers and fix the lights in the basement. And um, Piper, bless her heart, is like, we should just leave. <laughs> we should go immediately. <laughs> and um, Phoebe's like, we should go to the attic. Tag yourself, I'm Piper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 100% Piper. Um, yeah, so she, after getting in the previously locked attic, she reads a freaking incantation out loud and ends it with, we want the power, give, give us, us the, the power. power. Which suspicuous writing <laughs> of an incantation there, whomever wrote it hundreds and hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Constance. Um, but anyway, something happens. Mm-hmm. There's so there's that chime. Yeah, there's like a whirly light show that occurs. Yeah, which of course they don't see because they're in the attic and the basement, respectively, Mm -hmm. except for Piper. Piper fled. (laughs) Piper's in San Mateo now. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and the photograph of the three of them changes. Yes. They move closer together in what is a magical form of Photoshop, I guess. So silly. But it's symbolic. Yes. Symbolic. Mm -hmm. Sierra, can Wicca do that? Um, (laughs) Please advise. Please, please advise. So, midnight on a full moon, which Phoebe says is the witching hour, which is untrue. Yes. Totally untrue. Both of us believe it's not true, so it must not be true. Exactly. So, in this magical magical scene where we see, like, the first magic stuff happening to the three... They're not titular characters, but they're the three main characters. Well, no, they are. The charmed ones. Oh, okay. So, charmed. to the three titular characters, this is the first time we've seen them interact specifically with magic. And the only um, outcome of that is that you see them get closer together, metaphorically, but also physically, in a picture. And I took that to mean that this show is fundamentally about the relationship that siblings can have and how strong that bond could be. And I really like that. I love shows that really focus on a sibling bond. Um, I'm thinking primarily right now of Gravity Falls, which is an animated television show that ended a little bit back. And I was telling Shana this story, but I went to a panel of the creators of the show, and they were doing like a live reading of one of the episodes. And um, they talked about how they took out a certain scene that didn't air in the episode, and they were asking the audience, oh, why do you think we like deleted this part? And someone raised their hand and was like, it's because this scene is not about the relationship between the brother and sister, who are the main characters of Gravity Falls. And when you add this other scene, it really takes away from that overall theme of the show. And I was like, that's powerful. I love that. So anyways, I'm really into the whole like part about how Charmed is really about these three sisters and how they support and interact and occasionally come at odds or come to odds with each other. Okay, so we're at we're at the auction house, which Prue works at. And we learned that Prue is incredibly good at her job, 
but somebody is not recognizing that and is going over her head and going to the superiors simply because he is a man who can do that. Yes. Yes, and her former fiancé. So Roger is terrible, and Prue does what I wish I could do to many a person who condescends to me and tries to take credit for things that I or or my friends who are not white men Mm -hmm. have done. Um, She uses unknowingly her powers. Basically, Prue and Roger get into an argument about who is taking over the exhibition that basically Prue single-handedly put together. And Roger's like, well, now that you've put it together, I think I'm going to take credit for it. And I think the higher-ups want me to be in charge of it from now on. So she gets angry, she storms away, and she explodes the pen in his shirt. And face. And face. Take it, Roger. Take that misogyny. Okay, and then we move on to Piper. Yes. At her workplace. The second sister. The second sister. The second workplace. So two professional women making their way in San Francisco. Kudos. Mm -hmm. And Piper is also dealing with a very abrasive man, Mm -hmm. Chef Moore, who has the worst (laughs) French accent I have ever heard. I, I, the phrase that I used last time, or like last night, or the other night, was um, he sounds as if someone had written out the dialogue phonetically with the French accent for him, and he just read it, but with like the most blatant American accent. And then he throws in some like hand gestures for like yeah, emphasis. Yeah, for Italian emphasis. So who knows where his backstory is. What this melange of bad stereotype <laughs> comes from. But he's here now. Mm-hmm. And apparently he runs a restaurant that uh, Piper is trying to get a job at. Yes. So she is going to feed him this thing, but he doesn't give her enough time. And he's about to take a bite, but... The bite of the pasta doesn't have the secret port ingredient. The port. The port. And she freezes him. <gasps> Shit. Like, that's... Woo. Wow, indeed. What happens? I like that there's a sound effect that basically it feels like it takes all the air out of the room. Oh, I love that. It goes... And it's like, <laughs> oh, does that mean... Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's green screened now. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a sound effect to represent the time stopping. It's time effect. It's a sound effect to represent a green screen. A green gone. screen <laughs> being rolled behind them. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, Piper, what I love is that Piper does not like run out, call nine one one to mm-hmm. see if he's okay. She adds the last ingredient. She's a professional. She's a professional. I love that. I think that's so funny. She no, he doesn't need any help. You know what he needs. Before this situation like unfolds and I lose my opportunity, needs the port. And a little port. And then, of course, he unfreezes at the perfect time. Piper gets a job. Yeah. Okay, so we've seen Piper and Prue display their powers once. Then we go back to Prue, who quits. Mm-hmm. I quit, she says. Lousy pay, lousy boss. <laughs> you know, I'm getting out of here. Uh-huh. And uh, Roger tries to win her back in terrible, terrible mm-hmm. ways and is just as unlikable as can be. The word you used was spineless as we were watching it. Spineless. He is. He is a spineless person. He has no will of his mm-hmm. own, it seems, except when it comes to furthering himself. Yeah. But not even in effective ways. Like, he just takes credit for other people's work 
and then he tries to win somebody back and obviously does not succeed at it. So how did he even get here in the first place? By taking advantage of other people's good work. Well, I guess so. And because, you know, he looks the part. That's that's true. He definitely, he looks, you know, if he had, didn't have that smirk and everything, he looks like a guy that we've been conditioned to trust, mm -hmm. essentially. But now more and more we're learning we don't have to. <laughs> and we shouldn't. In fact, we should stay far away from these men. And never move to a secondary location. And never move to a secondary location. Prue quits. Uh, Roger yells after her, I hope you don't have any office supplies in your purse. I hated that. Which is so awful. Uh, Prue walks out and is so annoyed by Roger's last comment that she strangles him with her mind <laughs> slash his tie. Yes. And I thought he was going to die. Yes. He like tips over in his chair and has to like cut out his tie with a pair of scissors in his desk. And he, he says something like, what the dickens was that? It was Prue. Too bad, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those listeners who did not get to hear the fully uncensored version of that, it was more entertaining. <laughs> I tried my best. I'm sorry. Um, this is a family friendly show. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's Piper again calling Phoebe, who she assumes is at the house. Pick up, pick up, Phoebe, pick up. Nope, nope, payphone won't let her. Oh, well, Phoebe's not there. And put then, another nickel to the payphone. Put another nickel in the payphone, Johnny. <laughs> um, wow, we're in 2018. <laughs> That's how you can tell. <laughs> um, and Jeremy shows up, mm -hmm. uh, whom Piper is spooked by at first until mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's Jeremy, which is a parallel. Uh-huh. Yeah, it gives me a, a bad call feeling. Back there. And then also this actor just gives me a bad feeling mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. general. I, yeah. He does a really good job of being creepy. Yeah, I've thought about it, and I think it's his eyes. <gasps> yeah, they don't, like, smile yeah. all the way. They never quite light up. There's always something, like, shark-like about them. Oh, that's really good. Mm. Good visual depiction there. Aud audio visual <laughs> depiction there. Yeah, so great. So he knew that she got the job because he just believes in her. Yeah. So now we're at Phoebe, who is the only person we have yet to see mm -hmm. what kind of powers. So chronologically, it's her turn. Yes. And what a show she gives. She ah. sees the future in zooms and black and white, but only the very, very near future. Yeah. Okay, so she sees uh, skateboarders coming down the road and also a car hitting them in her flash forward. Yes. And she's on her bike, and so she bikes to get into the middle of it, which mm -hmm. I think tells us a lot about who Phoebe is. Yeah. So she gets carted off to the hospital, and Prue rushes into the hospital. Where's my sister? <laughs> but not as dramatically as that. It's just like... Whereas Phoebe Hallowell, essentially. And she runs right into Andy Trudeau. <laughs> Inspector Andy. Canada's finest. Canada's finest. What cutie. <laughs> Spiked hair and all. Oh, God. Or whatever his hair, like gelled hair and yeah. all. Super 90s. Super 90s. So um, there's some history here. Oh, uh, yeah. They have a little convo at the reception desk. They have a little convo, a little, can I buy you a bad cup of coffee? Mm -hmm. I'm here for my murder victim. You're here for your <laughs> sister. Exactly. And uh, they reconnect, mm -hmm. essentially. 
And um, yeah, so there's a little, little something, little something, going something. On. little something. Going more on, on that later, later folks. Yeah, more on that later. Okay. So uh, they meet, and then oh, it's Piper, isn't it? No, we don't go. I think no, I think we do. Piper and Jeremy are in the car. Oh, this is the setup for yeah, later. Yeah. Okay. So the setup for the bad, the bad, bad is that Piper and Jeremy are in the taxi. Yes. So we cut to that. So Jeremy says, "I, uh, you know, well, I'm just, I'm taking you somewhere." Mm-hmm. She's like, "What?" Why? Because, you know, there's a view. There's a view you wouldn't believe. Never go to a secondary location. That's the only thing you take away from this podcast episode. That's it. Yes. Kids, listen to us. This is the way to avoid getting murdered by a warlock. Never trust a warlock. Never trust a warlock. And never go see a view. And there you have it. That's all you need. Foolproof plan to never get murdered. Okay. And then we go... To the bar first. To, oh, the bar. I keep forgetting it's a bar. You know why I keep forgetting it's a bar? It's because Prue orders a coffee. Yeah, she's an interesting lady. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, so back at it. Phoebe is checked out of the hospital, and she's with Prue, and now they're, like, um, decompressing at a local bar. And uh, Prue orders coffee. Yeah, Prue orders coffee, and Prue needs cream in her coffee. And it moves on its own. The little little pail of, of cream yes. moves to her. What the shit, Pri? You can't deny it any further. Uh-huh. You're a witch. But she can definitely deny it more, and she will. <laughs> Even as the cream magically transports itself yeah. into the coffee. It, like, blooms It blooms the into the coffee. And here is a question I have. What are the rules of Prue's magic? What are they? What are they? What's the logic? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet because that is not something that you could do with your hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, can you move things through your mind that you can only move with your hands? That's that's kind of what I've been presuming about telekinesis as a mm. whole. However, the pen exploding and the cream in the coffee blooming mm-hmm. without the the little pail even pouring mm-hmm. something wacky's going on here like click in my mind it didn't it didn't yeah okay so essentially what we're looking at are just special effects mm-hmm. and not an actual connection to a logical magic yet yes yeah but you know this is the first episode we gotta yeah. wow the audience yeah exactly we got gotta pull out the big little tiny tricks <laughs> to draw our audience yes. in and make them stick with us mm-hmm. And wonder what big little tricks will be coming in the future. Oh. Yes. Uh, I'm already hooked. That's okay. It's not because of the magic. Well, it might be. It's part... It's not the cream and coffee thing. Anyway. So, Phoebe's, like, saying, like, oh, Prue, you have... Are you sure you haven't had anything strange happen to her? And Prue's like, no. And then the coffee cream moves to her, to her and magically fills up her coffee cup. And now she's like, oh, well, this is happening now. <laughs> so <laughs> then the I two guess. of them... <laughs> have to deal with Phoebe's or Prue's raging headache <laughs> that has now occurred because of the scene and so they go to a drugstore. Yeah, they do. And in the drugstore, Phoebe is obviously trying to get Prue to fess up and to stop being in denial about who she really is. Mm-hmm. And this scene is so much like a coming out scene to me or like a pre-coming out kind of scene in which somebody is essentially saying like I'm going to accept you, and I know this is who you are, but you've got to admit it, that, you, you know, you're gay. You're queer. And Prue's like, I'm not gay. Get get out of here with that 
crazy stuff. Um, only she says it much more convincingly. And you can tell that she's having a really big issue with the idea that her identity may be different than what she's grown up with, mm -hmm. than what she's all, always known. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this before, but um, Prue is a realist, but also a cynic. Yes. And I think she sees, like I said, when she walks into a room, she checks for all the exits. So when something like as monumental and big as this happens to her, she can only see the bad things first. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I relate to this idea of a parent of a queer or trans child being in denial because they don't want their child to be hurt. They don't want their child to have to face the consequences of a heteronormative world that won't accept their child mm -hmm. for being who they are. Mm -hmm. So it, they are doing it in a way that is restrictive and of course feels incredibly invasive to the child and feels oppressive to the child, but it's something that's really born out of a need to preserve their child's safety. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I, I read that so much in this. And I think that's part of why I still connect to Charmed is because it has so many of the of the experiences that especially the three sisters go through are huge because they're dealing with demons and warlocks and the source of all evil and all of this kind of stuff. But it also affects them on a very, very personal level. And it's so easy to connect that to things I've experienced in my life that my friends have experienced that I still see happening constantly, daily. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the time, even though it's an overblown and incredibly dramatic kind of portrayal, you can also get to the core of what is a very realistic scenario coming out, for instance. Mm -hmm. I think that any supernatural creature is just um, a metaphor for a real life situation. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that even though they're talking about witches and talking about Wicca and magic and all of that, there are still some real themes of identity and understanding how to build relationships and to interact in a world that might be more dangerous than you wanted to believe when you were a child. Oh my god, absolutely. Um, and also, we're not saying that like Wicca and paganism don't have its... Okay. Validity? Yeah. Okay, we're not saying that Wiccan paganism are not legitimate practices, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but the forms that are shown on this show are questionable. Yes, this is definitely, sorry. It's fictionalized. It's TV magic for sure, and yeah. they're using the words Wicca and witches because those are what we recognize. Exactly, those are rec it's the recognizable vernacular, but it's not necessarily yeah. what somebody who actually practices Wicca would associate mm. it with. This is like a whole other universe. Yeah, exactly. So they're at the drugstore, and essentially Phoebe says, move the headache out of your mind, and Prue's like, no, I don't want to. And then Phoebe's like, I know it gets you you worked up, and your powers are connected to your emotions. And also we should talk about exposition. <laughs> and also exposition. So I know you're mad at Dad, so dead, 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 dead. And then, whoo, everything falls out of the shelves, that poor pharmacist. I know. He like walks over and he's like, clean up on aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So now we know that Prue's powers are tied to her emotions, which is also a very powerful thing. And I love it so much because so often, women especially are told that your emotions are a hindrance and you shouldn't be uh, basing your judgment off of them. And your judgment is tainted in some way because of your emotions. But guess what? Prue's power lies in her emotions. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Incredible. Okay. A little French for you there. Shannon Doherty has to admit she's a witch. Yep. Prue, I mean. And it seems a little relieved about it. Yeah. Actually, there's a little like, what did I just do? Well, I guess I'm a witch. Oh my god. I think it was I think it's important that these two characters are foils for each other because when you're at one end of a pole, you're not fully living life. Yeah. And I think they bring each other closer to where Piper is. Ah, Piper. Where is Piper? Where is Piper? Let's talk about that now. So Piper's in an elevator shaft, and this is real freaking sketch here. And she's like, I don't like this. Maybe I should go home. Something wrong. Where's the like, view? Oh, what is this? This uh, dank elevator shaft. And Jeremy says something about Phoebe being home. And Piper's like, wait a minute. How do you know Phoebe's home? <gasps> what the what? You know why? Because he's a freaking warlock. He's a war. So, um, whoop, backing up, the Book of Shadows, which is the name of the book that um, Piper, or not Piper, sorry, I keep getting this mixed up, that Phoebe pulled from the chest in their attic said something about how there's a whole world of witches and magic and all of that, and there are good witches and there are bad witches or warlocks that will try to kill the good witches, <laughs> that will try to kill the good witches and take their powers. So, we now have three witches. One of them is in an abandoned elevator shaft with her boyfriend, and there's no view that he promised. Yeah, My Boyfriend the Warlock, the new children's book. Um, not children, YA book. So, yeah, so now Jeremy turns into a warlock and does this weird warping effect uh, on his face and on his voice and it's so disturbing and obviously anyone in post-production was like mm, i don't like that we're not gonna do that again uh which thank you post-production love y'all um <laughs> and so he tries to attack piper with a knife that he's holding very mm -hmm. delicately pinched between his thumb and forefinger yes with all three other fingers Splayed to Out. the side. <laughs> Is that the correct way to stab someone? I think so. I think it uh, provides a lot of um, coverage. <laughs> oh, you're right. Piper freezes him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, in a panic. In a panic and runs away, but he grabs her by the leg, drags her back down, but luckily there's a two-by-four there. So she hits him on the head and she, she knocks him out long enough to run away. And he runs after and he calls her a bitch. He's like, I'll get you, you bitch. And I'm like, ha, you mean witch. Ha ha. <laughs> ha, -ha. Um, Anyway. Shane in a room eating her popcorn. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I do have a tendency to yell at the screen. So she runs away, and she gets to the house, and she says, you'll never believe it, but Jeremy's uh, and Phoebe's ahead of her. He's warlock? Yeah, there was this weird warping effect on his face, and post-production is like, we ran out of time. And so they go up to the attic, so they're now all, this is like the first scene, I think, where they're all in agreement that they have magical powers. Yes, they're in agreement, um, and they're going to attempt, now all three recognize witches, to hex Jeremy. Mm -hmm. So they do, with some dry ice. <laughs> <laughs> and it 
works a little bit. Yeah, cut to Jeremy, who's running to the Hallowell Manor. All of a sudden, he stumbles and clutches a fence. And as we see quite gruesomely, there are thorns erupting from his body. Really big thorns. Yeah, very large. Uh, he screams in agony. I scream in agony. <laughs> Everybody screams. Everybody screams in agony. So yeah, so Jeremy gets hurt, but not enough because Phoebe gets a flash of him still running toward them, which is a concurrent mm-hmm. flash forward. It's not really a flash forward, Again, it's a flash current. A flash current. Yeah. A hot flash. A no. high tide. <laughs> a a rip, rip tide. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, so uh, Prue's like, okay, we gotta go get help, essentially. Mm-hmm. And opens the door, and Jeremy's right there! He's and so I fast. Just... <laughs> He's so fast! He's so fast! So, Phoebe had a flashback? I don't Less know. Less useful. Less useful. Prue's power is offensive. Yes, definitely. Piper's is defensive. defensive. And Phoebe's is not really in the fight at all. Yeah, which is interesting, because I think she could be very fiery. Oh, Absolutely. Certainly she seems more than Piper. Yeah. I think her power is an instigating power. Yes, I would say so. She starts the fight. You're right. She starts the fight. Prue is the instrument of the fight. And Piper is the defense. Mm -hmm. And that's football. (laughs) (laughs) Touchdown. Am I right? Touchdown. Goal. Um, Yes. So... Essentially, I get the pants scared off of me because yes. Jeremy's right there. And they do too. But they close the door and they run upstairs and they start barricading the attic and trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy's uh, behind there and he has, I guess, telekinesis as yes. well because he... he's moving the objects. And he explodes the door and... Phoebe, Piper, and Prue have gotten the chance to get into their signature formation. Ah, uh, yes. This triangle with Prue as the point. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, remember the, the spell board, the, the spirit... Oh. Spirit board, yeah. Remember the spirit board, remember the power of three. Oh, yeah, that must be a spell. The power of three will set us free. The power <laughs> yeah. of three will set us free. So they start chanting this together, and Jeremy goes into his diabolical monologue. <laughs> his... Uh, Madame Butterfly ending aria, if you will. He, like, approaches them, pinkies out (laughs) with his knife in hand, and he's got the demon voice, the demon face, well, I guess the thorn face, and he's, like, slowly lumbering towards them as they're doing their chant. And uh, it's essentially, you think I'm it? You think I'm the only? I'm the first of many. And the ending is, and you will never be free. <laughs> like some Disney villain. And then the incantation causes him to explode diabolically. Indeed. Yes. And what a light show. Indeed. So they got him. They got him. I fear listeners of this podcast will think I hate all men. No, no, good listeners. Not all men. <laughs> Just the warlocks, the demons, the misogynists, and the bad French chefs. <laughs> um, okay, so it's the next day, mm. and uh, they're satisfied with their kill. 
They murdered somebody. They murdered. In their attic. <laughs> they murdered someone in their attic, and they didn't even have to, like, destroy the evidence. That was Piper's boyfriend. That was, that's true. My God, Piper must be incredibly traumatized. She's also just very resilient, maybe. Yeah, well, she is. She absolutely is. But the idea of someone you've known, like, six, six months? Six months, yeah. But someone you've known intimately for six months turning on you in the most dramatic way possible. Like, they didn't ghost you. They didn't stop, like, answering things. They didn't cheat on you. They tried to turn you into a ghost. They tried to murder you. (laughs) And because you were someone you didn't know you were. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, it's a lot. So um, it's the next day, and Inspector Andy Trudeau uh, comes up, takes his sunglasses off, Mm. his, uh, his Terminator sunglasses, and he comes up to the door and hey hey prue uh you know i've uh, i've got something to ask you and she's like oh do you want did you bring me coffee because that coffee was so bad and he's like no this is mine <laughs> which i really liked but then he says well but can i buy you dinner and i actually thought it was very sweet yeah i also i'm gonna say a joke here that i might cut out later but i saw this tweet today and it was like Mia, with my date, um, to the waitress, can I get two straws for this milkshake? Date, winks at me. Me, puts both straws into my mouth. Look how fast I can drink this milkshake. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm trying to picture it. It's not that I'm picturing it. (laughs) You broke me. It's that I'm picturing you specifically. Oh. Prue says, uh, kind of no, basically not right now. No, don't buy me dinner. And he's like, well, you know, I had to try. Mm-hmm. And he takes the rejection very well. So good job, Andy. And gives her his business card. Yeah. So just call me. Call me if you, and if you see a like murder. It. If you see a murder. Let me know. <laughs> Canada's finest is on it. So Andy takes rejection well, essentially, and says, call me if you see any murders. Or, you know, if you just want to call me. And Bruce says, okay. So he goes back to his car, and then Piper and Phoebe come back out, and they're holding Kit, which Andy thinks is very suspicuous. But he gets back in his car. He puts his sunglasses back on and gets back in his car and drives away into the night, into the day. And um, so they have this little conversation about do witches date? Oh, yeah. Which... I love so much. It's like, I'm a working professional, and I'm also a witch. Do do we date? <laughs> do I have enough time? And it really does set the tone for this show. I think so as well. This, this humor and kind of consulting with the sisters on mm-hmm. a number of things in the same moment. And then the answer is not only do they date, they usually get the best guys. Um, and then it's like, and that's Sex in the City um, <laughs> in San Francisco. In San Francisco. City of Snakes. And, but, it, but essentially, it's a very, very positive yeah. ending. And it's an incredibly positive depiction of even with this identity that these women didn't know they had, they're going to lead amazing lives. Yeah. 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 And I think um, the takeaway, because I'm going to say it again, but the final scene 
of the show is when they're going back into the house and Prue looks back at her at the door and she smiles and then the door closes on its own. And I think that that is reminiscent not only of her like coming to terms with like, oh, I am a witch now, but also like, this could be good for me. Yeah, exactly. Not only can I deal with this, I'm going to learn to really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to learn that this is an integral part of me. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Oh my god, we did it. Oh, damn. We really did it. We should do a sign-off. Oh, we should do a sign-off. Um, um, thank you for listening. Yeah. This was our very first episode again. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And I really hope that it gets even more fun as we keep going. I think it will. And I want to say thank you to everyone who clicked on this because mm-hmm. they love Charmed. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to talk more about it and explore it and mm-hmm. celebrate it and maybe watch the reboot. Maybe. I'm, I'm just really excited to see where this pod goes, and I'm really excited to see more Charmed. Yeah. Thank you so much. Stick around for a song. Okay, see ya. Stepped a foot into this house And the last time I saw you I told you to get out But now I need some help here Though I don't want to admit it My life was lacking something And that big job I just quit it What's shaking up in me? Listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Everybody screams. Everybody screams in agony.